0: For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gareth. I have lived in York for nearly five years and I've been at G2 for around four of those. And for the last two years, I have been working part-time for G2 as a student worker. I also spend uh, half of my time, as Christian alluded to, working at York Hogwarts, which, you know, is not all glamour, but it does uh, pay the bills. And so we are today talking um, about our third week of the series, Are You Alive? Um, You may remember in GCSE Biology, the anagram, uh, or the acronym, Mrs. Gren, and this outlines seven signs of life. Now, over the course of uh, this series, we are focusing and singling out four specific signs of life. Now, we've already looked at excretion, and we've already looked at reproduction, um, but today we're going to be talking about nutrition. Now, before eyebrows are raised or all glances are cast, you know, bearing in mind I do work at a pork sandwich shop, I'm not here today to talk about healthy eating. We want to talk today not about our physical diet but about our spiritual diet. Now you might be thinking, having heard the rest of this series and heard what I've said now, ah, nutrition. Now this must be the talk where we talk about reading the Bible. And while we will get to that, I think this topic has an altogether broader and more fundamental aspect to it. There are broader questions about the human condition. This idea of spiritual nutrition brings up. In both Luke 4 and Matthew 4, there is an account of Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Now, at this point, Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's confronted. By the devil, and the devil says to him that he should turn the rocks that he sees before him into bread. Now, Jesus responds in what could be seen as quite a curious way. He cites uh, Deuteronomy 8.3, and he says the famous quote, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Initially, I just want to think about the first and most famous half of that quote, that is Man cannot live by bread alone. If you are of a note-taking persuasion and you want a title for the talk, a slightly more enigmatic one than nutrition, then not by bread alone is a good suggestion. Now, what does this mean? What is Jesus saying when he chooses this quote? Now, firstly, I don't think he means that human hunger or physical sustenance is irrelevant or unimportant that we should not be concerned about that either for ourselves or for others. Jesus makes it quite clear in Matthew 25 that his followers should diligently seek to feed the hungry and serve the material needs of those who are poverty-stricken. But on a basic level, what I think he is saying is that there is more to being human than flesh and blood. That we are more than just flesh, blood and bones as people. And as people, our needs go beyond those of a purely physical and material nature. So as I pondered this idea, this idea of spiritual hunger and spiritual needs, I was reminded of a story shared by an artist and speaker, Charlie Mackesy. Now before he became a Christian, he found himself on an art trip in South Africa. And whilst he was there, he encountered this village, the inhabitants of which were pretty poor, But many of the inhabitants were also Christians, and he found this curious, A staunch atheist at the time. He found it baffling that there were these people who were going hungry, and yet they were there trusting and relying on God. And so as he broached the subject of their physical hunger, they responded in a very interesting way. They responded to his questions by asking him about his spiritual hunger. The question they asked him was simply this. What feeds your soul? What feeds your soul? And that is a question that I really want us to ask ourselves today. What feeds our soul? As individuals and as a church, what is it that is feeding our soul? Whether you're following Jesus or not, what is it that feeds your soul? What is it that inspires you, energises you, sustains you? Now normally here we'd have a table talk, but instead we're going to have a moment of reflection. And we're going to think about this question, this intentionally deep and loaded question, for just a couple of moments. And I encourage you to think about this throughout the week, but let's just focus on this for a couple of minutes now. The question, what feeds your soul? So I was asking myself this very same question, this question of what feeds my soul, and so like any good digital native, I decided that there was only one place to search for the answer, and that was Google. Now, one thing I encountered was an article from the Huffington Post encountered 25 ways to feed your soul. And as I was reading this article, I was astounded by some of the suggestions, not that they were There was anything wrong with them, but just how limited they were. These suggestions, including drowning your inhibitions in a smoking hot bubble bath and enjoying a bowl of bliss, I don't even know what that means. And as I looked at this and other online threads that were talking about this idea of feeding one's soul, lots of similar themes and suggestions kept coming up. I found myself being told to relax, reflect. Think positively, read good books, listen to great music, subscribe to brilliant blogs, watch fantastic television, and enjoy powerful poetry. However, I do wonder that as I go through life, when hard times come, when it all seems to be going wrong, when I myself am in the wilderness, are those the sorts of things that are going to sustain me? What feeds your soul, and will it sustain you forever? Even in the wilderness. When Jesus is in the wilderness, what is his response? Let's go back to Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 8, and this is a passage in which God is speaking to the Israelites as they go from their 40 years in the wilderness into the promised land. Throughout their wandering, God had provided them with food. He'd provided them with food in the form of manna that came from heaven. But they were about to enter from poverty into prosperity. They were about to go from wandering into a land of milk and honey. And in Deuteronomy 8, God pleads with them that as they enter into this newfound prosperity, they need to remember him, his words and his ways. He is reminding them that their physical needs were that he is reminding them that as their physical needs were met, they still had spiritual needs that only he could fulfil. They could not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now when I think about this story, I can't help but wonder if that has certain parallels with, with ours, that it has certain parallels with the Western church and the Western world. Now obviously we are not completely without hunger or poverty, that's why we have a food bank here at G2. But in relative terms, even in a time of economic recession, we, we exist in a prosperous country and in a prosperous time. And we might know what replenishes our savings or help funds our lives financially, but we need to ask ourselves that same question again of what it is that feeds our soul. In Deuteronomy 8 and in Jesus' reference, we learn that we are more than flesh and blood. Our needs to be Go beyond that of the material. We need to rely on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But what does it mean? What does it mean to live off every word that comes from the mouth of God? Now you might be thinking, ah, now this is the bit where he tells us we need to read the Bible more. And yet still not yet, because I think there is a more basic, fundamental, spiritual need that we need to think of first. Indeed, when we think about the word of God, first and foremost... We need to think about Jesus himself. Jesus in his person and in his nature is the word of God. Referring to Jesus in John 1.1, John says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now the Greek phrase which which we translate here as word is logos. And this means that which is said. Thought or reasoned, and it can also mean story or narrative. And it's a source word for logic. It's a source, it's a Greek source for the word logic. This is the clearest and most profound way in which God has spoken through Jesus, through who He is. He is the word, He is a revelation of God. This idea is further explored in Hebrews 1 to 2. In Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. God has spoken through prophets. At times, he's spoken through apostles. There's an account in the Old Testament in which he even speaks through a donkey. But in the most profound and true way ever, God spoke through the person of Jesus. And if we want to address our spiritual hunger with God's words, we need to look first and foremost at Jesus. And Jesus himself speaks to this, perhaps most famously, in John 6. Now, I'd love to go through the passage in detail, but we don't quite have time. But I'd like to particularly pick out a few verses along the way. So, in John 6, starting in verse 27... Do not labour for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then in John 6.35 he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now again, I don't think Jesus here is dismissing physical needs. If you look back earlier in John 6, you find the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, of him, of, of him um, reaching out and feeding people in a physical sense. But Jesus here is speaking again to our spiritual hunger. And he is speaking not only to the fact that our needs and our hunger go beyond flesh and blood. He's talking about our need being eternal, and not just temporary. The promise is that Jesus sustains us for eternal life, in verse 27. And moreover, the promise is that we will no longer spiritually hunger or thirst again, in 35. And this reminds us, again, of a similar account in John 4, in which Jesus says to the woman in the well, those who drink my water will never thirst again. When we're talking about spiritual hunger, we're talking about something eternal. When we're talking about Jesus satisfying our spiritual hunger, we're talking about an all-powerful, all-satisfying God who has come down in the form of Jesus to meet us where we're at, to satisfy the spiritual hunger that I believe we all have. And we're talking about Jesus coming to sustain us for eternal life. So it's not just the food that perishes, it's not just the material needs that reach us in this exact moment. When Jesus talks about being the bread of life, he's talking about sustaining our need, our spiritual need, in an eternal sense. He's talking about satisfying us in such a sense that we will have eternal life. And I find myself wondering, if I find myself standing before God at the end of the world, then he himself looks at me and he asks me, What is it that sustains you? What is it that feeds your soul? What is it that has fed your soul? What will my answer be? What will I think of? Where will I look to? When I'm standing face to face with God, is this a time that I'm going to quote poetry or hum verses from my favourite songs? Will I refer to blogs that I subscribe to or talk of how much I reflected while enjoying relaxing times? Or will I stand there strengthened, And sustained for eternal life. Because I have believed in Jesus. Now this all may seem dramatic and grandiose. And for some of you, you may be thinking that's great. But I've accepted Jesus. And for some of you, you're not there yet. And when you think of the question what feeds your soul, what feeds my soul. You're thinking more in terms of the day by day. But again we come back to this idea that we need to rely on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it is here that we talk about the Bible, the scriptures, the written word of God. Indeed, everything that we've spoken about, about Jesus, about who he is, and about what he's done, that is all found in the Bible. It has all been from the Bible that we've been talking about this. And this is why, in the Anglican Church, we talk about the Bible as being the document which... It contains all things necessary for salvation. Furthermore, Jesus himself clearly testifies to the importance of Scripture. We started today with Jesus using Scripture to fend off the devil and to speak truth into a situation In fact, Jesus even uses scripture to reveal who he himself is. If you remember in Luke 25, on the account of the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking alongside Cleopas and his friend. And in order to show them who he is, he goes, starting with Moses, through the scriptures to point out how they talk about him. He reveals himself through the Old Testament. In order to point to himself, Jesus uses the scriptures. So as we come to try and know Jesus, as we come to try and know who this bread of life is, it is the Holy Scriptures, it is the Bible to which we must turn. And not only do the scriptures point to the glorious truth of who Jesus is, they provide us with the nutrition and the sustenance that we need as we seek to follow him. But note the phrase I am using is nutrition and not simply consumption. In consuming God's word, in reading the Bible, we need to digest the truth. Because nutrition is not just about feeding, it's about gaining the goodness from it. That's what nutrition is about. In order to gain nutrition, we need to digest the truth from the Bible. Now we can read the Bible, we can meditate on it, we can even memorize it, and all of these things are great things, all of these things things I would encourage, but those alone are not enough. Remember, the Pharisees knew the Bible in incredible depth and detail. They would have known it in detail that none of us here could even comprehend, and yet Jesus, on many occasions, points out how they've missed the point or how they are hypocrites. Even more starkly, let's remember that if we go back to the account of Jesus in temptation, if you go further on in that, you find the devil is able to memorise and cite scripture in order to try and use against Jesus. So simply being able to read or even know the Bible is not enough. That is not the point. We need to allow it to seep into who we are. We need it to be part of every fibre of our being, we need to see it come out in our actions. It's not just about an academic understanding of what the Bible is talking about, it is about it penetrating our very lives. And as we think about examining our spiritual lives, then we're not just thinking about nutrition and isolation, we're thinking about growth and reproduction and excretion. And all of these ideas of things that are signs of our life, they're connected and in gaining nourishment and nutrition from the Bible, that's how we are able to go forward into movement. That's how we are able to reproduce the same characteristics in other people. It's through the nutrition that the Bible gives to us. And Jesus speaks to it, speaks about this, about the need for spiritual nutrition in John 15, in verses 7 to 8. And he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The idea is that Jesus' words, that the words of Scripture, that the word of God abides in us, that it lives in us, and that, in turn, that bears fruit. that, That may seem like a strange phrase, but the whole point now is that you can tell, it actually outworks that... When you read the Bible, it doesn't just stay here in an academic sense, but it translates into how we live our life day by day. That's what bearing fruit is. That's what bearing fruit means here. What is it that feeds your soul? And what effect does that have on your life, on who you are, on what you do? In Psalm 1, it says, "'Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord,' and who meditates on his Lord day and night, and I'm paraphrasing here, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. When we allow the word of God to penetrate our lives, to seep into every fibre of who we are and what we do, then we become like a tree planted by streams of water, We yield fruit. People can tell. It makes a tangible difference in who we are and how we live. See, I believe that we have a spiritual hunger, that we are more than flesh and blood, that our needs are greater than simply the physical and the material. And I believe that the only answer is Jesus and God's Word living in us. And so, in response to that, we are going to have a time of communion. And communion is a a sacrament that helps to remind us of our reliance on God. We literally take bread and drink wine to remind us of who God is and and what he's done for us. In giving us himself, in giving us his body, and in giving us his blood when he died on the cross for us. And so, we're going to go into that... Time of communion now and I'm going to invite Christian in a second to, to lead us in that time but before we do I'm going to just pray quickly Father God thank you for your word thank you for your word as revealed in who Jesus is and what he has done thank you that you provided for us the bread of life when Jesus came down to earth to be with us to dwell amongst us and to save us And Father God, I pray that as we go from here today and as we ask ourselves the question of what it is that feeds our soul and what it is that sustains us, that we would look to your word, to your truth, and that we would allow that to penetrate our hearts and be evident in our action day by day. And as we take communion now, I pray that we would be mindful of that and we would be mindful of who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name.